Hello wonderful people, my name is Rachel Kaysen and um, it's been a while since I recorded for this podcast. Um, I find myself wanting to offer reasons or explanation. Um, The fact is, is I, I find myself hiding a little bit actually from the microphone and when I say a little bit I mean a lot. Um... I'm really, really grateful to all of you who listen, whether this is your first um, listening or whether you have um, been been following for a while now. And I'm really grateful because one of the things that I hear from you in your messages is that this podcast has helped you feel less alone, that it's helped you feel understood. And I want to share with you how grateful I am because that's how your messages and and feedback has made me feel. One of the things that makes it hard to come to this microphone is I'm talking into the void and this comes up a fair amount actually in my work with third culture kids that we need an audience where we can see the whites of their eyes. (laughs) Um, We do so much quick chameleon work in our conversations that it it makes um, rapid feedback really important to us where we can quickly assess how what we're saying is landing and adjust if needed. Um, A fair number of people will you know slowly slide into mirroring accents um, or vocabulary largely unconsciously because we're really sensitive to how we're connecting with people and speaking into my microphone I can't see you I don't get immediate feedback at all about anything that I'm sharing and it can feel really lonely out here um, and it's it's because of your feedback that I'm I'm, I'm still doing it so thank you um, these little episodes are massive leaps of faith for me and um, you give me courage so thank you. Today I'm wanting to cover something that comes up fairly often and and has done recently and that is the sort of um, I'm going to borrow a sociological term here um, and that is social capital, or at least that's that's the field in which I learnt it. It's actually a term coined in 1916 in an article by Linda... Lid, I'm going to say this wrong. Lyder, maybe? Lyder Haffinen. Um, he was writing about um, the networks of relationships amongst people who live and work with each other in a particular society. Um or in proximity, right? We're talking about territory here, shared space. But it's that networks of relationship that can be seen as a social capital versus what we often see as class capital or um, uh, 
perhaps uh, economic capital. We're talking about that much harder to define and yet incredibly present sense of the interconnectedness we feel, the kind of network and web of support we feel around us that embeds us as somebody who belongs here is is my take on that social capital and this is so relevant to us as third culture kids because our networks were interrupted our network building was interrupted via mobility and a lot of the times when I'm listening to stories I'm hearing this element of the kind of new kid syndrome that sense of not being as wanted, not um, feeling a certain amount of fear actually um, around our, or instability around our friendships, our connections growing up. Some of us might have had the experience of um, feeling like we'd made a a best friend, we'd made a close friend in the new school um, or new environment and suddenly for some reason um, losing that friend but the impact of that being so much wider because they took everybody else with them and that's sometimes because of the personality of the individual involved but essentially we're more vulnerable to this kind of risk because we have less social capital we are less embedded in that society in that community than the others. It's really, really hard to be walking around in the world feeling like we need them more than they need us. And I think anybody who's been the new kid knows that sinking feeling of how do I become somebody they they want and when we lack social capital we lack those things those intangibles that make us wantable that make us somebody um, desirable to associate with Um, and it could be as straightforward as we don't know the fashion rules we don't know the slang and so there's a there's a social risk involved actually for our local peers to connect to us because we are actually draining <laughs> um, the cool factor from them um, through association. Um, it, it can have a really really big impact. Now, in terms of in our own TCK culture world, we might feel we have a very strong social capital there. In fact. I see a certain competitiveness sometimes amongst us as a community where our social capital might be defined by how many countries we've lived in and what kind of business networks our families were linked up to, how many languages we know. There are these networks of relationships in the expatriate world, in the third culture kid world, diplomat, military, missionary worlds um, that also give a certain kudos And uh, there's a hierarchy there too, I believe, Um, to such an extent that I I hear a a lot actually from from some TCKs who just don't feel 
TCK enough in some way because they don't feel like they've got as much of that kind of social capital. But I want to talk about the impact of this on us as I see it in myself and I see it in people I work with. And in myself, it was certainly a sense of whatever it is, I don't have enough of it to um, make the lists to the parties or um, to be kind of the first choice for things. Um, Now, that's not a universal TCK experience at all. Some TCKs become incredibly adept um, and just have a lot of personal charisma. And um, so they, theirs is a different story. But even in those TCKs that kind of crack the social capital um, code and learn how to um, become popular very quickly, I still find an underlying um, fear, an underlying fragility around that that sense of if they really knew who I was or if I do something wrong it's all going to get taken away I could lose it all because our sense of our network is much thinner if, if you can visualize it in that sense it's a thinner web um, than the thicker web of connectivity that is going to just be much easier to build when there's time when we have spent time in a place we have more connections and we have more repeated connections with people that help us to feel safe than when we're third culture kids and it's really easy actually to internalize our lack of social capital as a personal failing I'm not charismatic enough I put my foot in it in that social situation I'm just not nice enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not cool enough, whatever it is. We can really individualize our experience of on one end of the scale rejection, on the other end of the scale it's an apathy. They just don't need us. But it's not an individual fault. It's part of this social capital piece. And another impact that we can be facing besides this shaming one is that we can become incredibly focused on the people who have it, on the people that seem to um, be incredibly well networked in. And this can, again, on a scale, we can go from admiration to a sort of obsessive um, measuring ourselves against these people. Um, wanting to, sorry, that's the ding of my, um, my email coming in. That'll teach me to not shut my other applications. Um, we can become incredibly focused, sort of, um, measuring ourselves against that external standard. Um, do I have enough friends? Do I have enough of a social life? Do I have enough support? That's a big one. A lot of us who feel very fragilely attached in our world and and aware of our vulnerability perhaps um can really fear this not having enough support but that word enough is really pivotal how do you know when you have enough social capital especially if we're measuring it against other people and and that can be a really useful exercise actually to kind of sit down and go you know how much 
would be enough for me to feel safe, for me to feel um, like if I hit crisis, there would be somewhere I could reach out to. Um, And am I even willing to reach out? Am I willing to test the strength of my networks? Because again, if we've not felt um, familiar with having networks, even when we have them, we might be fearful about testing their strength and actually asking for a favor, which leads me to this other impact of low social capital, um, this sense of feeling a need to bring added value. Um, The way this shows up for me on a really mundane level might be I've been invited over to somebody's house for coffee and I feel this utter compulsion to take a cake. Now that's fairly socially acceptable, lots of people do it, but the key part here is I know it's through fear around my sense of lack around social capital when A, I know that not everybody will bring cake and B, I can notice anxiety in me at the thought of not bringing cake. If bringing cake was just a nice extra thing I did, I wouldn't judge myself or feel fear for not doing it. It's an extra, it's a bonus. But my body doesn't sense it that way. My body is operating off a baseline of understanding that I bring less to the table than everybody else. So I need to compensate for that. So I need to demonstrate extra gratitude or um, value uh, to kind of hope for a repeat invitation, I suppose. It'd be interesting, I'd be really interested to hear if this resonates for you at all or if you see ways that this shows up for you. But I wanted to address it today because that need to constantly bring added value really plays on our self-esteem again because we've internalised this as a personal lack. There's something wrong with us that, that people seem not to be rushing to become our our friends maybe, Um, where we feel like we have to work to, I hesitate because it's such an unpleasant word, but ingratiate ourselves to actually carve out a niche for ourselves in the new place. And this can have really long-term impact. You might have been settled somewhere for 10, 20 years, but you might still be feeling echoes of this sense of lack of social capital. And, um, and it's impactful. And it's not your fault. <laughs> it doesn't need to be anybody's fault, really. It's just one of those phenomenons. That if you're somewhere less time, you will have less of a network. That's the algorithm. It's not personal. It's how it works. But there can be freedom in, in recognising that those are the mechanics at work here that it isn't personal, that it does hurt and it has its impact, but that there are options here too. We can get really intentional about building networks to compensate, but less this time to kind of prove ourselves and more to support ourselves in recognition that 
we are lacking something or a sense of something that others around us may um, assume, may be able to take for granted. We can also gift ourselves longer stays in places to watch ourselves build up these networks. But if moving and if high mobility is a choice we're making because that works better for us too, then yes, we need to look for this social capital in different environments that there might be a more of a high mobility social capital that we can lean into here. It's not really about good or bad. It's just noticing what's there and what the impact of that has on you, your story, your sense of your own character. But yeah, I'd love to hear from you if this resonates or if you've got um, points to add, um, things that um, I've missed off. Um, Yeah, and as always, thank you so much for listening.